This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. And welcome to Pet Chat on 2NURFM. With me today, I'm Jane Klein, of course. With me today, Dr. David Tabret, our pet vet, and Danny Boss. And David, what's your topic going to be today? Hi, Jane. Um, talking about responsible pet ownership and, in fact, what uh, fees might be involved, like council registration and things like that. Oh, nitty-gritty, mm-hmm. need-to-know things. Yep. And Danny, will be speaking today? We'll be speaking to Alicia from Hunter Animal Rescue, and that involves responsible pet ownership too. It's sure so fantastic. Does. Yep. A theme coming up, Pet Chat. We will be taking your calls later in the program from half past 12. If you've got a question you'd like to put to David about your pet, you can give us a call after half past 12. And you're listening to Pet Chat. And, of course, lots of people can't live without their pets, can they? Oh, thank goodness for that. (laughs) (laughs) No, great companions. And, look, you've got to look after them, and we talk a lot of the time about aspects of pet care and feeding and pet uh, parasite control. Last week we talked a bit about dental disease, but um, I just heard today that uh, fees have gone up from the council in terms of like what happens if your pet gets out, your dog gets out and gets picked up by a ranger because it's roaming the streets. And that's a protective thing too, folks. You know, like if they're out on the street, good chance they're going to get injured. And I can remember back when I first graduated and Oh, we used to see at least two dogs a week. I regularly on a Friday night, we would have a dog hit by car, fractured leg. And, you know, I used to do lots of orthopedic surgery on a Monday, fixing these. And then after about, or maybe about 10 years ago, that sort of disappeared because people got the message, keep your dog locked up, keep it inside your yard. If you're going to take it outside, take it on a lead or take it to a leash-free area and it's under your voice control and so on. So you've got to be very careful. Now, if your pet does get out, let me tell you, not only can it run the risk of being injured, but if it does get picked up, your pocket's going to hurt. Okay, so you've got to be responsible. So there there are some fees involved. The council will obviously take them to the uh, animal shelter in Newcastle. They'll go to Tyres Hill, where the RSPCA runs the shelter there for um, Newcastle City Council. And they'll be able to scan the microchip and try and contact you. If they're unable to contact you or because the details, your details have lapsed or something like that, then the animal is actually impounded. And, um, you know, their fees can be there. So if it's their first offence, it's about $60 for the first day. And the cost, this is the cost of looking after them. If the animal is held for 14 days, you're looking at about $840. That's on the first offence. If it's the second offence, the first day is $260. If it's the third offence, $360. So the message is there, look after your pet, keep them fenced in, exercise them under control. Now, the number one dogs that are coming in, in uh, roaming the streets, 87% of them are undersexed male dogs. And it's that testosterone drive that gets the dog out there going, well, I better go and search the neighbourhood and find some girlfriends instead of just being happy just to sit at home in his testosterone deficient state when they're desexed. <laughs> so that's an answer, or that's possibly an it answer. Is a, for... It is a factor. And obviously some dogs suffer, suffer separation anxiety. They're going to want to get out and be with people. And we, we've talked about different breeds and... You know, uh, Danny's had people on who said, well, this breed is a, is a people dog. You've got to have someone with them all the time, and other dogs are happy on their own. But uh, certainly you've got to make sure that uh, male dogs, they're the, they're the prime culprit in this. 
desexing them will reduce their tendency to roam. Good fences, feed and water, give them attention so that they're happy to be at home. They're just very high fees though, aren't they? I mean, they're trying to send a message of, of maintaining your dog, but I know sometimes there's some uncontrollable situation where the dog might just escape somehow. Well, I think that's the first offence sort of yeah, that's disparity, right. second offence. And that way you could find out, I guess, what's happened and, and try to make sure it doesn't happen mm. again. But, uh, yes, very dear. We, we talk to people about, um, you know, jump harnesses. If their dog's a jumper, you can get these harnesses. They work quite well. The interesting thing is, Danny, I'd probably... What does a jump <coughs> harness do? Oh, well, it's sort of... Um, you know, uh, paces that the horses that race the paces, what happens is they have a set of hobbles on that which means they can't stretch their legs a certain distance. It's the same thing for a dog. They're quite comfortable. They can do everything. But if they go to jump and try and stretch, the hobbles sort of say, hang on, your legs can't actually go that far, and it'll stop them from jumping. And I've, I remember years ago um, when I was working up at Raymond Terrace, I had a dog that had this problem, and we got a jump harness for it, and it worked brilliantly. So it kept the dog off the streets. The... Um, the interesting thing is that, uh, I, look, I don't have figures to tell you, but I know for a fact years ago, and I don't know if it's still the case currently, councils do not make money on pet fees. They, it's their biggest expenditure thing. They, they're really, um, they're not going to, it's not a profit area, let me put it that way. So just a vote of support for the council officers who are doing a great job. They're out there protecting your pets from vehicles and so on. Um, the other thing is lifetime registration because if your pet's not registered and it ends up in the pound or if it's not microchipped, they are by law, the council have to have those things done before they can release it. So not only do you have the impound fees, but you've got to get it microchipped, there's a fee for that, and they've got to be registered. And if they're not desexed, lifetime registration fee for an undesexed dog is $150. Uh, if it's desexed, it's $40. And now that's a one-off fee. It's a lifetime fee. If you hold a pension card and it's desexed, it's $15. But my, just a word of caution, you, know, you don't get a discount for an undesexed dog if you hold a pension card. So, again, sending the message about responsible pet ownership. Microchipping. Now, just quickly, I, I hope I'm correct in this, but I was given this information this morning. For residents of Cessnock City Council region, Curry Curry uh, Pound Animal Shelter are having an open day on the uh, 8th of August, and they're having free microchipping. Um, I hope I'm right in that. My information source was good. So 8th of August up at Curry Curry, and I know for a fact that the guys up there have just done a fantastic job in building that uh, facility up to the standard that it deserves to be to look after any stray animals that turn up in that area. Uh, Danny's got the deal. Yeah, I've got the paperwork here. You got here. it? Oh, good. Yeah, so it is 8th of August, you're right, but it is for residents of that area. Residents of Cessnock Council. Yes, yeah. that's right. So you probably have to take along a rates notice or something or a photo license uh, ID. and um, Presumably if you're microchipping it, that includes your details as to where you live? Well, when you go along, it's going to be microchipped. And what happens, just for those who don't know, a microchip's like a little radio transponder. It's about the size of a grain of rice and uh, it's injected under the skin with a fairly hefty-sized needle, I must say. But uh, once it's in, it's quick and um, most animals... It, it goes in with little discomfort. Um, once it's in, the radio transponder means that it can be picked up by a scanner. It has a number. It does not have your details on it, okay? It has a number, and the number is matched up on a database. So if you move house or if the dog changes owners, you can transfer the details on the, on the database, and it's very important that you do that. 
we see a lot of pe- a lot of stray dogs that turn up at the emergency centre at all hours, and the problem is that the details aren't current. And to change the details, it would be just a visit to the council, or there is change of ownership forms That's that right. any licensed <coughs> microchipper does have, which you can fill out and hand in. And when you actually get the microchipping done and it's all sent away, you get a certificate back with your details, and it's got information on there as to how to go about changing the details if you need to. Just on that, who, what sort of people count as licensed microchippers? Where are you likely to find one? Uh, well, most vet hospitals will, you know, be able to conduct that but there are certainly courses that people have been able to do um, and I don't know specific individuals but in terms of um, a lot of council offices and the pounds offer that service service as well. So you could find out through your local so, council. Yeah there is. Yeah. I happen to have a microchip licence myself. They, I've done the course. They gave one to Danny. They gave one to me. <laughs> there you go. But you didn't get it out of a cereal packet did no, you? No I didn't. I had to attend and do the course. Yeah you've got to do a course. And uh, you know practice on, on a leg of lamb I think it was. <laughs> How's the, that? The poor on leg that, of lamb. I think we might. <laughs> Responsible ownership. But it, since then, uh, since then, I have to say I have done lots of dogs and cats, so that's oh, fine. good on you. To a new RFM. This is Pet Chat. You're listening to and Danny. We're joined now by a special guest. Yes, we are. Alicia Forbes is the promotions and marketing manager for Hunter Animal Rescue, which is a great volunteer organisation that does a lot of good for pets in the hunter. So I thought, what a wonderful thing would be to get her on the show and we can chat with her. So here she joins us. Hi, Alicia. How are you? Hi, how are you going? Good. Now, first of all, can you explain what work the Hunter Animal Rescue does? Yeah, basically we're rehoming animals that um, are no longer housed. So basically we may get a private surrender or if animals wind up at the pound, they get their allotted time and no one comes to reclaim them or adopt them, then our foster carers can go in and help out. Okay, so basically dogs that, what kind of situations would there be that you would be picking these dogs up from, from families that hasn't maybe wanted them or is it passed away relatives or? Uh, a bit of both. Um, talking private surrender wise, we might get the odd um, surrender when older people have had to go into nursing homes yes. or their families can't really look after them. Yes. Or they have to downsize their houses, go into apartments. Um, so it's easier to maintain. So that's a common one. Yes. But um, with our pound, like 80% of all the animals we do take in would be basically just no one's come to collect them at the pound. Okay. Um, so that can be because people aren't changing their details on the microchip. So when the councils are ringing up, they're not getting any answer. And also people may have just changed their mind and decided not to collect their animals. Oh, okay. And we've just been talking about the importance of changing the details on your microchip registration forms Definitely. as well. Now, with with in regards to uh, your your organisation picking up these dogs, can be cats as well. Yeah, um, yeah. What does it mean when you say they're being fostered? So what is fostering? So fostering is when Har takes an animal into care. We mm-hmm. place it with one of our foster carers and basically that person babysits the cat or the dog until um, we've found a suitable home. Um, so we put all their profile and photographs on our website. Yes. 
and then people contact the foster carer directly when they're interested in the animal, would like more details or to come and meet the animal. Okay. And it goes from there. Okay. So if someone wanted to become a foster carer, what would they need to do? They just have to go onto our website, which is www.hunteranimalrescue.com.au. Yes. And there's a How You Can Help tab on there. Yes. And there's a foster care application. It's all done online and that comes straight through to our foster care coordinator. Okay. So it's relatively easy. But then you, you actually then talk with these people who who become foster parents yes. and they have to go through a, a process to make sure they meet your standards? Yeah, we've got to make sure they've got really good fencing, no little holes for smaller dogs to get through or yeah. no you know, really high fencing if they're wanting to foster our large breed dog. Yes. And then on the other hand, they might be cat carers. So they've just got to have, um, we have them all indoors so there's no chance of them getting out or, um, you know, coming across a dog or getting run over or anything like that. So they're all indoor, our cat carers. Yes. So, yeah, then we have to do paperwork and just set them up as a member. And it's also the foster carer's responsibility to um, take the animal to their vet appointments. Right. But the only expense to the carer is the animal's food. Food. Okay. So what what also happens in terms of how long does the foster carer on average take care of the, the pet? Well, it really depends what um, size and breed and all that sort of stuff. Like if you've got an eight-week-old puppy or a ten-week-old puppy, obviously they're going to go a bit quicker because... They're always the most popular. Yes. Um, well, I take small breed indoor dogs, and I've had probably about 70 come through my home, and the longest I've ever had a dog was about three months. Oh, okay. So that's still not too bad, really. That's yeah, fairly but quick. some of the bigger dogs uh, hang around a bit longer. But, yes. um, yeah, worst case scenario, if anything happens and the carer can no longer have their dog, we just sort of do an email around all of our other carers and find someone else that can foster him so he's rehomed. Okay. So in terms of being responsible of our own pets, how can current owners of, pel- of pets help to reduce the numbers of pets that end up at Hunter Animal Rescue or at different pounds where you pick up dogs? Ideally, if um, people dissect their cats and dogs mm-hmm. is the number one. Um, other than that, making sure all animals are microchipped and their microchip details are current and accurate. And number three, and really cheap, easy one, is just everyone put um, an ID tag on their animal. Okay. Um, you know, it's so easy then. You know, your next-door neighbour can give you a call or walk him home. But you don't have to go through the whole pound um, system yes. and then in turn get the fines as well. I noticed on your website and talking about desexing, you have got quite a few number of litters of, of cats and dogs yeah. that need to be fostered. Is that correct? Yeah, we've um, we've had quite a few in the last couple of weeks. Like um, a lot of the girls within Har really try to make that their priority. When there's a pregnant mum in the pound, as a duty of care, we always try to get them out just so cause they're not going to have too much of a chance up when they're born in the pound. You know, freezing conditions and all that sort of stuff. So we really try our hardest to get them out. But then it's such a huge job. Like it's not like you're just fostering one animal now. You've potentially got ten mouths to feed. Yes. So it takes, you know, a very special person to be able to take on that workload and we're always looking for puppy carers. Now, for supporters of, of, of the job that your volunteer organisation does and if they can't be a foster parent, how else can we help with um, donations? Or I see there's also products you sell on your website. Yeah, we've just started selling merchandise on our website, mm-hmm. so half supporter shirts, 
your drink coolers, um, stickers, pens, that sort of stuff to help out. And also if just um, donations via PayPal or our bank account is okay. all, also amazing because that's just, we have so many unplanned vet um, incidents, you know, a puppy might come in with parvo and all that sort of stuff. Yes. So donations are greatly appreciated with stuff like that. Well, Alicia, thank you very much for your time and I'm sure that now explains a lot more what your volunteer organisation does to all our listeners. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Bye. Bye. Alicia Forbes from Hunter Animal Rescue. And they have a website, .com, after Hunter Animal Rescue. Well, 49216216 is the number to ring to get your question through to Pet Chat and Dr David Tabret or comment. And we're joined now by Kate. Hello, Kate. Hello. How are you? Now, you've been listening to... I have. And you've got a comment to make as well. Yes, I have a comment on, on the microchipping of the animals, which is essential. But I also feel it's essential for them, even if they're supposed to never leave their yard, to wear a collar with a tag with the dog's name and a phone number. Mm. I have taken many dogs in over the, the years, and if there is a tag and a phone number, I will ring the owner. Oh, well done, Kate. You're yes. absolute, absolutely right. Now, I might be stretching my knowledge base here but i think it's actually in the law that if they're off their property they have to have a collar with an identification on them as well but uh it in any sense it, it makes good common sense doesn't it it does and yeah. i guess that's very thoughtful of the person that will pick up the pet and if the phone number is there mm. there is a chance then that the owner can just pick it up off the person that's got the pet and save all these fines or, or an address as well because <laughs> that's right yeah my dogs have tags with their name our phone number and the vet's phone number excellent on, on the other side of the tag yeah so if they're if they're injured then um Yes. The person who finds them knows where to go. Yes, and um, I have three dogs, and occasionally they'll get out, usually when a, a door-to-door salesman has made a sale and he's left the gate open. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that's what I think it is. But um, they get out, and I've been very fortunate. People have rung me, and it's very expensive if they have to go through the... Um, through the system. Oh, yeah, as yeah. You said. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but another thing, too, is that uh, I'd like a number to, to ring up for after hours pickup for dogs because the last time I rang Lake Macquarie Council, I had brought in a big boxer. Yeah. And too big for me to have in the house with the three Maltese. Yeah. And uh, I put him in the garage and I rang the council and I was informed that the rangers only work mornings these days. Yes. Uh, I hope the <laughs> animals are listening and don't get lost. You know, after lunch. This is uh, this is a real problem, um, Kate, because uh, at the emergency centre we get calls like this about animals that are uninjured and yeah. uh, but are just you know running down the street or so on. They could get themselves into trouble. And That's what worries me. Yeah, and people like yourself with the good intention of. No, um, you know, trying to make sure the pet is safe, but you're unable to take them back into your own yard. Mm. Uh, then you're left with a bit of a rock and a hard place. Um, ultimately, it is a council responsibility mm-hmm. if they're uninjured and uh, or any strays for that matter. It's very difficult, um, and we have always talked to council about various times they are are offering. Um, or able to do pickups at various times. It just depends on the individual council and certain ranges as to what times they're working. And mm. um, I'm, fortunately, there's no easy answer for that one. It's a bit, it's a bit 
luckily I have a garage I can put them into. Yeah. But with this boxer, he was he was a, a lovely a lovely fellow. He was an affectionate fellow and everything. But I said to the young man on the phone, I hope he doesn't howl and carry on through the night too much, or, or the neighbours will be going off at me, you know. So he said, I oh, will just let him go again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's... Um, you know, as it is, he broke the louvers on the window trying to get oh. out. But there you go, that's nothing. But um, uh, You're a good and, person, Kate. And, and if the dog had been picked up on Friday yeah. morning yeah. or Friday afternoon, I would have probably had to have him all weekend, I suppose. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, there are... I know that um, at Ties Hill there are surrender cages that stray animals can be put into. Um, at the Ties Hill RSPCA. But that's actually yes. there. Um, and... One of the things that there was, there used to be the um, RSPCA ambulance used to operate up till 10 p.m. to pick up injured strays. Yes, injured dogs. Occasionally yeah. they would pick up an uninjured if they were in the area. Yeah. But, well, um, out here at Wanji, we seem to be pretty far out for people, I think. Sure. And well, I that, don't have a car. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so all, you know, mounts up. <laughs> and I guess that that's where Hunter Animal Rescue ha- helps with these kind of things as well. well. Would they... Would they um, would they have a number? Or? Well, they, on their website, they do have numbers, and you can access uh, foster carers pretty much, I'd say, almost 24 hours a day. Yeah, I, yes. I'm, I'm not sure on uh, how accessible I'm that would be. I'm picking up stray dogs, so I don't... There is uh, on the Lake Macquarie Council website, Kate, mm. uh, under Animal and Ranger Services, there are a couple of numbers mentioned there. Now, um, I imagine that that might uh, apply to the, the animal services that they do. There's a phone number of 49210799 and an after-hours emergency number of 49210329. And you'll find that on, on their website. Yeah, no. just, I, I hope I don't find any more. No, that's quietly. right. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, but, you know, I hate to see them. I, I hate to think of them getting hurt or, yes. uh, or hurting anyone else. My little dog got out and was savaged very badly yes, a few months ago. It's definitely um, one of the, the disadvantages. Thank you so much okay. for ringing. Thank you, <laughs> Thanks, Kate. Kate. Thank you. And Thank please you. push the tag on the, tag on the of collar. Of course. Yes. Tag yes. on the collar. Everybody, all dog owners should do that. Good on you, Kate. Cats very don't, though, do they? Uh, no, yes, they do. They do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Collars for cats. You're listening to Pet Chat. It's 13 to 1, 49216216. You've still got a few more minutes to get your question into our pet vet today, David Tabret. And Robin has rung in from Raymond Terrace. Hi, David. Hi, Robin. I just want to ask you a question. One of my dogs is eating the other dog's poo. Oh. <laughs> Are they lacking something? Um... Hmm. Could be. Yeah, could be. Um, She's just had an operation on her, like a knee reconstruction. Right, yeah. I think it's more behavioural. Um, Presumably, these these days we don't often see major mineral deficiencies. Some dogs develop this habit. Um, I cook all their meals. Do you? They're all homemade, yeah, I cook all their meals. Uh, Do you give them any commercial food at all? Um, Only now and then the biscuits. How often's now and then? Oh, well, not a lot. How about we make now and then every day? Oh, okay. And that way we're going to be pretty confident that they're getting a good base. The problem with home-cooked meals, and I did a lot of research into this um, pretty early on in my career, sat down and looked at and analysed a lot of diets and things like that. Really, really, really hard to get them balanced. 
Right. Um, it's very hard to get everything in the right proportion, you know, enough calcium, not too much phosphorus, too much of this. Make sure you're getting all your essential vitamins and the minerals. And uh, also variations that people have with their diets, if they haven't been analysed by a nutritionist, um, and how you prepare them makes a difference. All of those things, how much the dog eats makes a difference. So there's a lot of variables in there. If you add in a good quality commercial dry food, you can mm-hmm. you can use a home-cooked meal a, a, on top of that. But again, you've got to watch your calorie count. Yeah. Uh, you can have that little bit of variety, but at least you're getting the base of of all your nutrients covered. With home-cooked meals too is that when you do cook them, a lot of the nutritional value gets killed off that the dog needs yeah, too. you've got to be careful so how you, they're cooked. Mm. Yes, that's right. And they're not getting the, the vitamins and the minerals uh, and the enzymes that they need for their gut. And so that could be one issue, I guess. Well, see, I used to have dog biscuits down for them, but I have a blind dog and she's become such a gut that... When she sees, well, when she gets to that food, mm. uh, it's gulped down. Nobody else gets any. Where the other dogs just have it when they feel like it. Well, so I've had to yep. stop using that. I mean, even at feed time, when I put a ba- um, ba- um, bowl down, it's um, it's like her mouth wide open and she's gulped it up. Well, there's two two th- two things I would just mention quickly. Is one is that um, feeding should be once a day. Twice yep. a day at most, 15 minutes, and then the food gets picked up. And uh, they eat it all. I don't have any problems with them not eating that's it. Good. Yeah, don't, and if you do feed dry food, though, same thing. Don't leave it there for them to graze all day. Yeah. Um, cows and horses graze. Dogs yeah. gorge is basically yeah. how they The second thing is if uh, your dog um, with the vision problems, uh, just make sure it hasn't got a metabolic disease. Oftentimes we see older dogs, particularly, say, diabetes, can make them quite hungry, or Cushing syndrome, which is another hormonal disease, and they can end up with a very large appetite. Hyperthyroid dogs uh, can also be very uh, ravenous appetites, or even if they've got gut disease, you can end um, up well, with... Well, she's under, she's under the vet up there, but we, um, we noticed that she, uh, she broke out with a rash, and it was when she was eating chicken, like I was buying chicken for her. Yep. But when she was eating the chicken, then she started the scratching. So we put it down to the hormones that were in the chicken that we were giving the dogs. Yeah, so it could be. chicken right off. Well, she's on cortisone and, um, and antihistamine because of the, the rash. Yeah, it could just, be the, that fixed. could just be the protein in the chicken, you know. Um, some dogs do develop allergies to chicken protein. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not that uh, dogs are uh, exclusively going to develop uh, food intolerance to things like beef and lamb and yeah. things like that. You can get um, food intolerance and skin problems associated with chicken protein. It really depends on uh, if they went through a period of eating chicken when their gut might have been in a slightly more permeable state, maybe recovering from gastroenteritis or a viral illness as a puppy. If they got chicken, then they can actually develop a problem later on in life associated with every time they go and eat it. So, yeah, there's a few syndromes there. And just make sure that there's no other metabolic problems. But um, feeding uh, good quality dry food would be my first step about trying to minimise the, you know, picking up and eating the other dog's poo. Right, because I do, I use um, pedigree with the, is it pedigree they call it with the um, the dry biscuits? Yeah. Yep, well, that's a good quality. So you can start with that and... um, you're going to have to go for a month before you can assess if that's had a real benefit for you. 
Right. Okay. Right. Good luck okay, with thank you. that. Thanks, Robin. And Robin's call. And we're getting close to the end of uh, oh, no. of Pet Chat, but we're not there yet. <laughs> so we should at least mention the conference, Danny, that's been going on this week, Minding Animals. Minding Animals, It's it's been um, going on since a few days ago. It's been held, part of part of it is being held actually at the, at the Civic Theatre where the conference is. There's about 400 delegates from around the world and... Funny enough, I was quite surprised to read that this conference is the first international conference dedicated to the emerging discipline of animal studies, and it's a great momentous feat for Newcastle to be able to host it. Now, it's supposed to be for, in terms of, it's called Minding Animals, and it's for the interrelationship that animals have with humans and uh, and, and how they contribute to our lives. And there's so, so many different scientists and also uh, theorists that are attending and uh, contributing to it. But not just that, there is a whole lot of different festivities that are happening around Newcastle due to this Mining Animals Conference. Some of the things is basically most of the art galleries we have in Newcastle are all holding animal exhibitions. And I know tonight there's uh, the one gallery that I know tonight they're ha- opening their exhibition, which is at the um, Lockup Gallery up in town in, in Hunter Street, and they're doing their Mining Animals exhibition. So everyone's getting on the bandwagon, and it's fantastic to see. So lots of exhibitions, of course, the Wildlife Photographer of the Year is on at the Lovett Gallery. And as you say, there's about 16 different galleries Mm. around the city. And that's the way the rest of us, us, those of us who aren't going to the conference, can at least participate, I suppose, and think animals this week. Well, it's a wonderful theme. And, um, you know, it's a... Look, it came across us... When when did we talk about it? A couple of weeks ago, last week. Last week. Wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so it's fascinating to see. And what did you say? 400... 400 400 delegates delegates. from around the world, exactly. So if anyone wants to know more information on that, it's www.mindinganimals.com and that'll bring up the whole schedule of events and lots of different information on their website, which is great to have a look and see what's happening with that. And i just like to remind people that if you are part of a a pet organisation and you have got meetings that you want to promote or events that are coming up you want to promote, look, we do it free of charge here at Pet Chat. All you have to do is email us at petchat dot uh, pet at So that's petchat at com. So let us know of any events or any type of uh, thing that you want um, us to promote for you, community event, free of charge, we'll do it. We always enjoy things to do with animals, and that is about the... Brings us to the end of Pet Chat. Thank you, Dr. David Tabret. Thanks, Jane. And Danny Boss. Thank you, Jane. And we'll be back next Friday after the 12 o'clock news on 2 and URFM.